Lord, we pray that in each one of our own lives. We recognize that all of us have our own needs, not all are spoken here. All of us have our own worries and fears deep down in our souls, and all of us have bodies that are broken in unique ways. And Father, we just thank you for the hope and comfort we have that you are with us through all of that, and that you carry us when we need to be carried, and you strengthen us when we need to be strengthened. And Father, that's why we, we come to your word now in this part of the service. We know we, we need your strength, we need your mercy, we need your guidance in our lives, and so we come to your word every day in our devotions, but then we gather together as your people to hear you speak to us, and we pray that you would speak to us this morning clearly and powerfully through your word, and, and that anything that may distract us from hearing what you have to say, any of our own worries or fears or frustrations or anxieties, any of that would be pushed off to the side so that we could truly hear you speak to us clearly and powerfully this morning. Father, we pray that you would open our ears to hear, our eyes to see, and our hearts to receive what you have to say to us this morning. And all God's people said, Amen. Well, we are in the middle of a really long series that we've been doing going through uh, human sexuality and trying to understand how to kind of navigate uh, the culture and how to navigate what God's Word has to say about this. And so we're kind of in the middle of the portion where we're talking about all the ways that sin has kind of messed these things up. And then uh, next week is our last one, and then we're going to dive into how God redeems and restores and rebuilds. And so this morning we're talking about uh, gender struggles. And so our passage is one that is uh, maybe going to confuse you. And I'm actually not going to spend as much time on it in my sermon. I will get to it at the end. But it comes from Matthew, it's actually Matthew 19, 10 through 12. The disciples said to Jesus, If this is a situation between a husband and a wife, it's better not to marry. And Jesus replied, Not everyone can accept this word, but only those to whom it has been given. For some are eunuchs because they are born that way. Others were made that way by men. And others have renounced marriage because of the kingdom of heaven. The one who can accept this should accept it. I'll explain that later. Um, so I've kind of alluded to the fact that we've had this crazy, hectic, week, preparing for a grad party and preparing for an eighth grader who's graduating, and uh, you just name it. Throw it in there. It's been this week. And then, of course, when you get a busy week, everything breaks, right? And so fixing things. And, and there's nothing like a week like this to point out uh, one important truth. Uh, men and women are different. And <laughs> we, uh, there's been these moments this week where and I say that because I'm like, I'm the only male in our home. So it's me with a wife and four daughters. And so I'm like the lone guy. And I'd like walk out into the, the garage. We're getting ready for the grad party. And they would be just going to town, highly efficient, getting everything done. And I would walk out there, try to help. And I found myself regularly saying, what? What do you mean? What thingamajig? What there is over there? Like, go over there. Well, where is there? I don't know where that is. I, I don't understand what you're talking about, right? And so there's like 
there's times where I feel like I'm in a foreign land in my own home because they're speaking some other language I don't understand. And there were even these moments that were funny where things would start to get tense. We were trying to do something difficult. And, uh, you know, one of them would say, like, we need to do it this way. And I would say, no, we need to do it this way. And we'd kind of start arguing about it a little bit. And then we would figure out we were actually saying the same thing. We were just saying it differently. And, and because there's like this foreign language thing going on. And in the moment of, like, chaos, we don't appreciate it. We don't enjoy it. We just want everything to go smoothly. Uh, but one of the things I want to point out is these differences are really part of the beauty of God's design. Um, that he created the world with these differences between So that beautiful. And, and we all know, like, if, we, if the world was full of men, would it be beautiful? No. And I'll be, the opposite is also true, right? If it was all women and no men, it still would not be beautiful. Um, it'd be prettier, but not beautiful. <laughs> and, and the reason is, is because the beauty comes through differences. And so I, I used to be a photographer for, for a while and did a lot of nature photography. And one of the things you realize that makes a really good picture is contrast, especially in a black and white picture. And so there's this guy, uh, I encourage you, go home and look him up, especially if you like photography. His name's Ansel Adams, and he's known as, like, one of the best black and white nature photographers um, ever. And, and so here's, here's one of my favorite pictures of his. And, uh, and I've studied his work, and, and this is one of my favorites, but if you look at this, what makes this picture, like, take your breath away? The contrasts. There are dark darks and there's bright lights. The river looks like it's just completely glowing. And it's not like there's white over here and it slowly fades into some kind of a gray and then into a black. It's actually where the contrast just hit each other, right? That, that glowing river in the midst of the dark valley makes this beautiful because these are kind of colliding with one another. And that's, I'm going to say that's what creates the beauty in this, and that's part of why God created these differences in the world, is because when these differences between men and women collide, we sometimes get frustrated by it, but it actually creates the same kind of beauty that happens in this picture. And actually, as we go through Genesis 1, we see that God's doing this over and over and over again. He's creating differences. And so right away at the beginning, we see God says, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light was good, and then what did he do? He separated the light from the darkness. And so we see there's difference. There's light and there's darkness. And God, what was the beauty of that picture? Light, darkness, right? And God said, this is beauty in the world, that there's this contrast between light and darkness. And then later he says, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place. Let the dry land appear. And it was so. And so what did God do? He said, there's water. And there's dry land, and they're different from one another. And again, you look at that picture, and what makes it beautiful? The river running through the midst of the dry land. Why do we like to go to lakes surrounded by trees? Because there's difference. There's, there's beauty of water and trees and mountains and all of that. And so God keeps doing that over and over and over again, creating these two things are different from one another. And then at the very end, he creates humanity, and he says God created man in his own image, in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And one of the things that really jumped out at me as I was reading that and reading through Genesis 1 this week is 
God says this very clearly about humanity, but he doesn't say it that clearly about any other animal. It's just assumed. He says he creates, he creates the birds, and he creates the animals, he creates the fish, and he tells them, be fruitful and multiply, which assumes that there's males and females. But when he gets to humanity, he says, I'm creating humanity, and I'm making them male and female. Different. And I'm doing that because there's beauty in that. And so God wants to make it very clear. Male and female, he created us. And, and then he even, it even gets ratcheted up a notch because it connects male and female to being created in the image and likeness of God. And so the fact that we're created in the image and likeness of God means that we're not God, but we reflect God in the world. We, we're like him in certain ways. Um, and as we go out into the world, he, we reflect him onto the world around us. And it says we're created in that image, and part of that image is actually that we're male and female. That that actually images God in the world. It's part of being like him. And that means that our male, like my maleness and, and my wife's femaleness is actually part of the image of God in us. as part of who we are as humans. And that, that just comes from who God is. When, you know, anytime we create something, we, it, we create it, it comes out of our own character and nature. And so we believe that God is a triune God, right? As hard as it is for us to understand what that means, that God is Three persons, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I just baptized Adeline in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they're all fully God. They're three persons, but they're all one God. One essence. How does that work? You got me. But it's clear in Scripture that that's who God is. He has this diversity of persons, but He's unified in, in who He is. And, and that's how He created the world. He Right? He started creating the world. He said these things are different, but they all work together and they're all unified in some way. And that's actually when he created humanity, he said, I'm creating you male and female. You're different. And then I'm going to create marriage and then you're going to join together and you're going to be one. And I talked about this last week, but you're not a team. You're not just joined together. You're actually one. How does that work? You got me. But it is. We can feel it if you've been married, right? And so part of God creating male and female and then joining us together in marriage is that's because who, that's who God is. He's, he's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but he's one. And, and that's every part of creation. So you go out into creation this afternoon. It's a beautiful day. You look at the sun and the, and the light and you see the darkness. And God said, I created that so you would see that and you would see who I am a little more clearly. And you go out, you see the lake, and you see the trees and the land, and you, God said, I created that so you would see me more clearly. And then you go out and you see males and females, and he said, I created them that way so that you could see me more clearly. And so that's just part of who we are. God has like written that part of his character on all of creation, but also on our bodies. And, and to just kind of bring that to a real fine point, um, it means that kind of one of the central truths of this passage is that God created genders. He created two. And he did that for a reason. Because that flows out of who he is and that creates this beauty in the world. And, and he wrote it on our bodies pretty clearly 
in order for us to reflect his glory in the world and in order for him to draw us to himself. When we see males and females, we see God. But we're in this section of the series where we're talking about how sin has messed all of that up, right? And so we, we can see that pretty clearly in that, like, everything's broken because of sin. And so we, we talked about this a few weeks ago. In, in Romans chapter 8, it says that all of creation is groaning under the weight of sin. All of it. Every aspect of creation, like the trees, everything, is groaning under the weight of sin. And that means our bodies are groaning under the weight of sin. And our souls are groaning. It's all been infected. And it's all been messed up. And uh, the reality, we all need to be healed in some way because we're all broken. Our bodies are, our souls are, and all of creation is. And, and the reality is most of us already know this because we all know that our bodies are falling apart. <laughs> right? Like I was driving my truck yesterday that has seen way too many Midwest winters and there are pieces falling off of it. And I thought, that looks like, that kind of feels like my body feels like sometimes. Like, just I'm going around and there's like pieces falling off all over because sin has just messed it up, right? You bend over to pick something up, your back goes out. And, and even as a, a young guy like I am, um, I still have that and I'll be laid up for a while. And so we know that our bodies are messed up like that. And like I keep reminding us, our bodies and our souls are connected. And so our souls are also messed up too, and our souls need healing. And so none of this is, is really functioning the way it should. Our souls are not functioning at full capacity, and our bodies are not functioning at full capacity either. Um, but we can't try to separate our body from our soul, right? Uh, we've made a mistake in the church for a long time. I've heard pastors say, well, we're just souls and we have a body. I said, no, we're body and soul. So we can't just emphasize, like, the soul is not just who we are. Our body is actually part of who we are, too. And so, of course, everything I've been saying has been kind of leading up, laying the foundation to kind of the main point of this message, to talk about some of the, the gender struggles that we're seeing in the world today. And when we talk about some of the, the gender struggles we see um, you know, there, it gets complex, convoluted, and I get how many minutes to talk to you about it. So everything I say is going to be an oversimplification. So just we realize that. I realize that. Um, but it's, really, it's helpful, I think, to oversimplify and, and divide it up into two struggles. One is primarily a struggle of the body, and one's primarily a struggle of, of the soul. And, uh, of course, they're always connected, right? If your body gets messed up, what happens to your soul? It gets messed up, too. And if your soul is having issues, your body reflects that struggle as well. But one of the, one of the struggles we see around gender right now is one of the body, and it's called uh, lots of different things, but, like, intersexuality is one of, the, one of the issues we see, where there are some people who are just born with chromosomal abnormalities. Like, you can look at their G DNA and their genes and... I, they, you can't actually figure out if they're a male or a female, right? Or they're born with what's called ambiguous genitalia. And so you can't figure out from their body if they're a male or a female. That's a thing because of sin in the world. It messes everything up, right? And so you have that struggle, and we need to handle that struggle differently than we handle other struggles, right? And there's another struggle that I would say is primarily one of the soul, which has, again, it's called lots of names, but gender dysphoria is one of those names. And it's where you hear someone say, 
I feel like a man trapped in a woman's body or I'm a woman trapped in a man's body. And what they're saying is there's a disconnect between my soul and my body. What I feel on the inside is different from what I see on the outside. And so there's this struggle going on there. And so we're, we're kind of, those are two helpful ways to understand what's going on. And, and like, as we start to dive into it, I think it's important for us to understand, like, it's a real struggle. I, I don't know how many of you have talked to people who've struggled with intersexuality or, or gender dysphoria, but they are, like, torn apart on the inside. I've talked with people who've struggled with both. I've done lots of pastoral care to people who struggled with both. And they feel torn apart. They feel like their body and soul are disconnected somehow. Because it kind of is. Because of sin. And they're wrestling with it. And they're hurting. And they're in pain. And they're trying to figure out, like, how do I wade through all of this mess that I'm feeling inside of me? And then you see people take really drastic and dramatic steps to try to get out of the pain. To make things feel better. And so... On the one hand, I want to emphasize, we have to, like, a big part of this is not shunning people who are struggling with these things, but actually walking alongside them, supporting them, carrying their burdens, bandaging up wounds, showing care and hospitality, like, supporting them in that. But part of supporting people in this is actually loving them, and that means helping them see how God has designed them to live. Um, because it, it's not loving to show people, to encourage people to live a way that God hasn't designed them, because it never works, and it always ends up in destruction. And so one of the things I've reminded us over and over and over again is that our bodies and souls are connected. One's not more important than the other. And so it's wrong if for someone to say, well, my soul says I'm this, but my body says I'm this. Um, scripture never gave us the ability to make those distinctions. Your body is part of who you are. And so we need to live according to that reality. And it, and so we, we have to keep that together. And, and when we understand that, it really forces us to have some pretty difficult conversations. And they, and they are really difficult conversations that we have with people. Because one of those conversations I've had to have numerous times is helping someone understand that trying to transition to become another gender is actually not going to fix their pain and, and the hurt that they're feeling. It's actually going to make it worse. And it's going to cause more confusion in them. It's going to make it more, like, all of the changes in the struggle, it's going to make it more permanent. And you start doing hormones, and it starts throwing everything out of whack. It, it actually, they're doing that because they hurt. And they're like, I, I want to stop hurting. I want to feel better. And I say, but that's not. And I've watched it. I've watched people go through with it, and I've watched it just mess everything up. And it just destroys them. And they're regretting it later on in life. And so we have to have these conversations and say, that's actually not good for you. I know you're hurting. I know you're struggling. Let me walk alongside you and support you in this. Help, let me help you understand how to live the way God created you to live. But this is not that. And that's going, this is going to cause more pain. And, and let me just jump back and remind everybody I said the same thing last week about divorce, <laughs> that it's the same thing, right? People start talking divorce. Why? Because they're hurting. They're in pain. They want to get out of it somehow. I want to stop hurting. So then they take a drastic step, and then and I have to tell people, that's not going to make it better. It's going to cause more pain. It's going to cause. And so the same thing is with all of these things. We, the goal is to actually live into who God has 
created us to be. And, and another aspect of this that it sounds harsh, but it's just, I don't want to be harsh. I just want to be clear. We can't uncreate anything that God has created. I mean, that's, for us to think that we can uncreate something that God made is, is pride and, and arrogance. And if we, I mean, there, it's, it's literally impossible for us, for someone to become a gender they were not born with. You can change a lot of things, you can do a lot of stuff, but you actually can't change that. It's there. And so when you try to change that, it just, again, it messes everything up. God made you this way. And so, so what we need to do, again, is we need to walk alongside people, support them, care for them, love them, and then keep pointing them to saying, this is who God designed you and created you to be. And I want to help you live into that more fully. And as I was thinking about it, that's really the call for every one of us in this room, isn't it? I mean, every single one of us has to recognize that we're all broken. Like, my body is a mess, <laughs> right? Too many years of football. It's my body's a mess. And my soul is a mess, too. Ask my family. And so, like, I, I need healing inside of me. And so my goal is to do what? Each and every day, look to Jesus Christ and say, forgive me. I screwed up again. Please forgive me. And I'm going to hold on to you by faith. And then I'm going to hold on to you by faith, receive that forgiveness, and then I'm going to get up and I'm going to take every step, every breath that day by faith, trying to live into who you created me to be. That's the call of every single person, and that's the call of those who are struggling with gender struggles, and that's the call of people who are struggling with anger and bitterness and greed and envy. It's the call to receive forgiveness in Christ, receive renewal from Christ, and then try to live each day following him. And that affects more than just our soul. That actually affects our whole body. And we're told that explicitly in 1 Corinthians 6. It says, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You are bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. And this scripture is pretty clear. When God bought you, like, as a Christian, when you grab hold of him by faith and you receive his forgiveness, he bought you with his blood in that moment. He says, now you're not your own, and guess what? Your body is not your own. You don't get to do whatever you want with your body. God, Your body belongs to God, and now you need to try to glorify him with your body. And one of the ways that this applies to, I think, every single one of us in this room is one of the ways we glorify God with our body is to actually live into the gender God has given us more and more each day. And so I'm constantly trying to call men live like men and women live like women. Follow Christ, keep your eyes on him and try to live into that each and every day. And let me tell you, I know this is loaded. <laughs> and I know I can tick a lot of people off this morning. Um, but here's what I'm not saying and I don't have time to make all the qualifications. Um, but I'm not saying that every man needs to walk out here and be Paul Bunyan, put on, like grow a beard, put on flannel, and uh, carry an axe around. And I'm not saying every woman needs to look like she's out of a 50s sitcom, right? Um, meet my family and you'll know. That's not the expectation. It's, it's more than all of these external things that we put around being men and women. Um, it's, it's really a heart issue. And one of the things I, I've been learning and I've been trying to ask myself and other people is... Um, 
We should ask ourselves this about everything. But why are you doing this right now? Um, and, and when we're talking gender, the question is, why are you doing this act right now? Are you doing that because you're trying to more fully be the man that God has created you to be or the woman that God has created you to be? Or are you doing that because you're trying to rebel against the man or the woman that God has created you to be? You know, like, what's going on deep in your heart when you're doing these things? And, and we need to ask our, ourselves that. And I was thinking about that because, um, as, as many of you know, I have girls who play boys hockey. And, like, not that long ago, that would be seen as not a very girl thing to do. Not, that's not ladylike and that's not feminine. And so there they are. You've got girls. They're trying to be boys. And the truth is, they, they do not play hockey like boys. They play hockey like girls. And that's fine. That's not like a rip, all right? I'm saying they, they play boys hockey, but they play boys hockey like girls. And everybody can see it. It's just very clear. All the boys on their team, the coaches, everybody sees them playing boys hockey and doing it like girls. And actually, one of the things I've realized as I was thinking about that this week is actually having them play, boy, play boys hockey, and just because of the circumstances and everything, has actually helped them to become more feminine because they've seen the boys and they're like, we are not that. <laughs> and I don't want to be that. We are girls. And it's actually helped them to become more feminine. And so it's not an attempt for them to try to throw off their femininity and be like guys. No, it's their attempt to be women and serve God in, how, in the ways that they can. And so, you know, I'm not saying, like, go out and, you know, try to play others. That's not the point. The point is, why are you doing what you're doing in, in all of these roles? Why are you making these different decisions in your life? Are you doing it? trying to become more of the man or the woman that God has created you to be, or are you trying to rebel against who God made you to be? And if we start, if we get a world where we start living more into the gender that God has given us, we'll have these contrasts. They'll start colliding with one another more, but we'll also have the, the beauty in our world of what God has designed. And we'll see that God knew what he was doing all along in, in creating things this way. And again, all of this brings us to keep our eyes on Jesus, which does bring us to our final passage that has probably people scratching their head. And this is not my typical sermon. I usually, Well, it is in some ways. I always pick a passage and then I walk through it. And technically, my passage was Genesis 1. That's what I walked through. But I didn't want to put that because that just sounded cliche. And so I wanted to put something out there that make people go, why did he use that passage? And so I want to explain it, because I think it's a, it's a helpful reminder for us. Because Jesus, in the passage I put in there, Jesus is talking about eunuchs. And we don't use this word anymore, but, but a eunuch was uh, an assistant to the king back in the day. And the eunuch's job was to watch over the concubines, often. And so the king would often castrate the eunuch to make sure he wouldn't mess around with his, his concubines. And so, so eunuchs kind of became this word. It was a position. It became a word to describe people. Like Jesus said, there were eunuchs who were born that way. They were born with bodies that were messed up and not able to function the way that God designed it to, right? And there, it began to describe people who were either castrated like through birth or just by men or even people who've chosen celibacy their whole life. And and back in that time, these people were shunned and, and pushed off from society because they were mutilated and they were different and, and all of this. 
And so Jesus says to his disciples, I mean, his disciples are freaking out because Jesus just told them God did not design marriage to, be, to end in divorce. And the disciples go, that sounds really hard. Maybe we shouldn't get married. <laughs> and Jesus responds and he says, you know, think a little broader. But he says, there are eunuchs who have been so from birth. Like some people were born and their bodies were messed up at, at birth. And there were eunuchs who've been made eunuchs by men. They were castrated by other people. And then there are eunuchs who've, been, who've made themselves eunuchs. And that's not that they physically did it, but they just chose to live a celibate life. And he's saying, and he said, and some of these have, all of these, some of all of these have done this for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. And let the one who's able to receive it, receive it. And I, I probably am opening a can of worms by not explaining this point more, but, but one of the things that shocked Jesus' disciples and shocks us today is that Jesus holds up these people who really were like the gender struggle of their day, and he says, some of them will be model citizens in the kingdom of heaven. And people go, what? And Jesus isn't just talking off the cuff. He's, he's following this, this principle from, from Isaiah Isaiah talks about this too. He says, let not the eunuch say, behold, I'm a dry tree. You're like, I can't have kids because I have all this problem. He says, here's what the Lord says to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast to my covenant. I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I'll give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And the promise that Jesus is giving is that those eunuchs, those with these struggles who are keeping their eyes on God and have grabbed hold of Jesus by faith and are seeking to follow him every day of their life, they will be forgiven and renewed and will be entered into the kingdom of heaven. They will receive a name. They'll be adopted into God's family and they will never be cut off. And God will say, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. That's true of anybody. Not just those struggling with gender issues. That's true of every single one of us. It's not about the struggle. It's a reminder that there's no struggle that keeps us from the kingdom of God. When we turn and hold on to Jesus and try to follow him every day of our life, that's how we are adopted into God's family. That's how we receive an everlasting name. And that's how we receive this promise from God that I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so it's not about the struggle. That's what I'm trying to remind us. It's not about our own struggles and it's not about their struggles. It's about Jesus Christ. And it's about turning from our struggles and holding on to Jesus Christ and then trying, saying, I will follow you wherever you lead me. If you made me a man, I will live to be a man the way you've called me to live. If you've made me a woman, I will live to be a woman the way you've called me to live. And I will mess up and I will fail. But thank you that you've forgiven me. You've brought me into your family and you've looked at me and said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Let's come to our God in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come just give you thanks and praise for your wisdom and for your mercy, for the beautiful creation that you've given us, but also for your grace. We thank you for the grace that flows out to each one of us and we recognize how far we fall short. Lord, we recognize each and every one of us fails to live into the manhood or womanhood that you've created us in us. Every one of us falls short in so many ways. 
And so we just come to you and we take an opportunity now to confess that to you. We confess the times we've fallen short. Confess the times when we've tried to rebel against your creation. We confess the times when our pride and arrogance tries to overthrow something you've made. And yet we come to you resting in your forgiveness. We thank you for your son. We thank you for the work that he's done in our lives and on our hearts. And we thank you that we can rest in his forgiveness. And we can live out that faith every single day. And so, Father, we pray that you would fill us and renew us by your Holy Spirit. That we would leave here and go out into the world living more fully into whoever you've created us to be. Not just even in our gender, but in our attitude and our actions. Lord, we want to be people living according to your design. And so we realize we need your help in that. And so we pray that you would walk alongside us, fill us with your spirit, give us strength, and give us wisdom. And all God's people said, amen.